From Nine News in Denver, Colorado, this is Blame, an ongoing investigation into a mother's death, her husband's secrets, and the lax police work that put Blame squarely on the shoulders of their six-year-old son. Was the shooting of Jill Wells really an accident? Join Nine Wants to Know in our pursuit to discover, is someone else to blame? A gunshot echoes across a windswept prairie. A young mother dead. Knowing everything that we know now. An investigation over before it began. I feel like I failed him too. Got feelings. Oh man, if I just would have known this a long time ago. There was a lot of red flags. And an unanswered question. The preponderance of evidence. I would have done something about this. This really points to a homicide. Was a six-year-old really to blame? When someone dies violently or unexpectedly or suspiciously, all kinds of officials are responsible for trying to answer the inevitable questions. Why and how and when did the person die? Was a crime committed? Should someone be arrested? Should criminal charges be filed? The task of figuring all that out in Colorado falls partly on the county coroner and partly on local police or sheriff's officers and partly on the district attorney. It's a system with its roots in the Old West. All those public officials respond to the scene, each with a different role. Only the coroner can decide whether to conduct an autopsy. Only the cops can decide who to interview, what questions to ask, what potential evidence to collect. Only the prosecutor can decide whether to file criminal charges. The day Jill Wells died, March 28, 2001, the day her six-year-old son Tanner was blamed for accidentally shooting her, four men were responsible for figuring out what happened. Lincoln County Sheriff Leroy Yowell and his son and number two in the department, under Sheriff Allen Yowell. They were the first to arrive at the ranch near Pumpkin Center. It was their job to figure out who was responsible for Jill's death. The sheriff and the undersheriff called in Don Bender, the county coroner. It was his job to figure out how and why Jill died. And they also called a prosecutor named William Sylvester from the district attorney's office. It was his job to decide whether there was evidence of a crime and whether charges should be filed against anyone. We know now that so many routine things weren't done the day Jill Wells died. There was no autopsy, no fingerprints, no ballistics testing, no in-depth interview with Jill's husband, Mike Wells. Trying to understand how that came to be means talking to those four men. Your call cannot be completed as dialed. Please check the number and dial again. 21L. First up, the undersheriff, Alan Yowell. Though his dad was the senior officer on the scene, it's his voice on the other end of the 911 call placed by Mike Wells and on the recordings of the interviews with Mike and Tanner. I knew that finding him and convincing him to talk to me might not be easy. Roughly a year after Jill's death, Alan Yow was arrested after a domestic dispute with his disabled wife, ending his career in his father's department. We're sorry. You have reached a number that has been disconnected or is no longer... The former undersheriff left law enforcement and left Lincoln County, and as near as I could tell, moved around quite a bit in other states. Hello? Hi, I was trying to reach Alan Yowell. Um, I think you have the wrong number. Okay, sorry to bother you. Okay. 
That's all right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. A quick aside, you're going to hear the name Yowl a lot. Leroy Yowl was the sheriff in Lincoln County for 32 years. His son Alan worked in the department for the better part of two decades, much of it as his father's undersheriff. Another son is the police chief in Lyman, and now one of the former sheriff's grandsons is a captain at the Lincoln County Sheriff's Office. Tracking down the former undersheriff is a frustrating process. His own son told me he couldn't help me. They've barely spoken since his father left town and he doesn't have any way to get a hold of him. So I found what I thought was a current address for the former undersheriff, wrote a letter and dropped it in the mail. A few weeks later it came back, stamped, returned to sender, moved, left no address. I haven't given up on finding him, but as I think about other avenues to pursue, I turn my attention to the others. His father, former Sheriff Leroy Yowl, chose not to run for a ninth four-year term in 2006, and he works part-time running the metal detector at the Lincoln County Courthouse. He is 75 now and lives just a few blocks down the street from the department he led for more than three decades. I sat down with him at his kitchen table, his wife and other family members in the next room. I wanted to start by just asking you what you remember about the that day, that call, all that sort of stuff. Not that much, I'll be honest. Yeah. Uh, been too many cases over the years that you can't let them run together. And, mm-hmm. And everything, but what I do remember about that one was I was in the office and so wasn't my undersheriff at that time and we were the ones that responded to mm-hmm. it. Uh, after we responded we did call in the DA and then of course the coroner come and we all conflabbed I guess is the word you want to use and agreed that we'd have to go with that Tanner did do it with red flags. There was always red flags. So so did you have a gut feeling out there that day that there was something? Oh yeah, you always have gut feelings about things. Or I always did have. Yeah. And we discussed among ourselves that, you know, that things weren't right. That it very well could have been. A homicide, but we had nothing that we could prove. Mm-hmm. Do you have any? Do you have any estimate of how many homicides you investigated over your time as sheriff? Other than suicides, I had uh, two homicides. One was a double homicide, father son, and the other was two guys drug deal. Okay, so fair to say that that kind of thing doesn't happen a lot in Lincoln County. No. Was there ever uh, consideration given to asking Mike Wells to, you know, come down to the department, so to speak, and sit down and do a a real, you know, a a more formal, in-depth interview with him? I can't answer that truthfully. He, of course, could have declined, right? Oh, yes. But I didn't know if you ever asked. I can't swear. And do you know, were were you, as a department, were you bringing in anybody at that time, if there was an interview to be done with a child like they do today, where you bring in a 
you know, somebody that sort of specializes in interviewing a child? Yes. For a forensic interview of a child? Yes. Cause and most of them, what we took up there was sexual assault type cases and mm -hmm. stuff. If you remember, I'm wondering if there was any discussion or thought about having Tanner interviewed in that sort of a setting. I can't remember, but I'm sure we would have probably discussed it some. And do you recall if um, if there were was any effort to, to like take measurements or try to look at trajectory or anything like that? Um, As I remember, like I said, we kind of done one of these numbers from Tanner's height, if that was the boy's name with Jill laying on the ground and everything looked like it could have been, yes. Okay. When he's talking, he gestures with his hands as if he's aiming Tanner's rifle, looking down as if he's pointing at an imaginary Jill. As for measurements, they're all in the former sheriff's head. They don't exist in the case file. One of the things I'm curious about is um, it looks like the guns were returned to Mike Wells the next day. Um, if I can remember right, yeah. Um, that's what the paperwork reflects anyway. That's the date that's on the paperwork for the evidence release. So it doesn't look like you had any ballistics testing done or no. anything like that. Um, and of course there was no autopsy done. Um, and can you talk a little bit about sort of how that would, what your relationship with the coroner was like and how you would this, did you have discussions about whether autopsy should be done on a case when you were out on one together? I'm or? sure we did. I can't swear offhand, yeah. Okay. But I'm sure we probably did because that was something that was quite common at all scenes, something of this nature that we would discuss with the coroner. But where we had the DA and the coroner there and we all agreed that we'd have to go with what evidence we had. Mm -hmm. I guess Don Bender, I've spoken to him once, I'm going to try to talk to him again. He was coroner for about seven years, I think he told me. I think that's about right. Um, we had no problem with Don. Uh, I never had any problem. See, before him was Love Funeral Home. They was also the coroner and everything, and Don was, Don was the first independent coroner we really had. And he done more investigating and looking at cases than the other coroners did which was unusual for us compared to what we had when we had Love Funeral Home. But no, we got along with Don fine. Trust his judgment? Oh yes. Yeah, because I dealt with Don even as an EMT when he was an EMT and I was, like, we went to class together and stuff. Okay. Yeah, I, I had no problem with Don. Do you think more could have or should have been done back then? Looking back at the time, no, autopsies, we did very few autopsies back in those days because a lot of it was financial. We didn't have the budget for it and stuff like that, and neither did our coroner. I mean, if we just said to the coroner, hey, I need, Don, I need a autopsy on this body, I'd have had to have had some good reason to ask him for it because Normally it was either going to be my cost or his cost. In looking at the, 
the case file, the uh, one of the insurance companies for Jill Wells uh, was in touch with you several times, requesting a copy of the report from this incident, and um, uh, you provided that. I think when it when it got finished, it looks like. Um, but I'm wondering, did you did it cross your mind to did did you request any information from them about the policy or the size of the policy or any of that kind of stuff that you recall? I think we talked to somebody or I talked to somebody about it, but I can't swear to that. So 2008 comes and uh, Jill's sister comes to the sheriff's department and requests information about the case, and I think requests some more looking to be done and that happens and they they end up um, exhuming Joe Wells's body and doing an autopsy and recovering the uh, the bullet which was fragmented pretty badly I guess and they, they were able to locate the guns and do some ballistics testing which ended up sort of inconclusive um, but the thing that uh, I think that everybody you know get suspicious of is the life insurance and I, I don't know how many of these details you've been provided with but uh, I think I've been told so far what you're saying I've been told yes. okay so um, about four weeks before the shooting about four and a half weeks before the shooting Jill had applied for uh, 1.25 million dollars in life insurance and so then Four and a half weeks later, March 28th is when she gets shot. The following day, Mike Wells applies for for uh, the benefit. And um, when you hear all of that now, what do you what do you think? Does that surprise you? It, no, it still still keeps the red flag waving. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really does. I mean, the, there's a whole lot about it that the red flag. I mean. Like I say, the gut feeling was there, but you didn't have the evidence to prove it. Lincoln County investigators turned up much of that life insurance during their re-examination of the case in 2008. Information that wasn't pursued after Jill Wells died. But Nine Wants to Know uncovered lots of other public documents. Documents showing that Mike Wells had serious money problems over a long period of time. Problems that started long before Jill's death and continued long after those big insurance payments. In courthouses in Cripple Creek and Colorado Springs, we dug up documents detailing his struggles with money. He failed to pay state income taxes in 1997 and 98 and 99. He failed to pay federal income taxes in 2004 and 05 and 06. He was sued numerous times by business associates, and he was ordered to pay tens of thousands of dollars in judgments. And in the basement of a courthouse in a small Missouri town, we found documents showing that roughly eight months before Jill Wells died, he'd been ordered to make much larger child support payments to his former wife and to reimburse her for tens of thousands of dollars in medical bills and attorney's fees. I asked the former sheriff what he thought about all of that. Here again, it adds to the red flag, right. as far as I'm concerned. How does your feeling now compare to what your feeling was 15 years ago? Has it changed much? Do you, are, you, are you more skeptical of his original story now than you were? 
Oh, still got the same red flag. I mean, I had it for years. Mm -hmm. But like I say, you, you got done with that case and went on to the next one. And maybe part of that, if you'd had the manpower, you could have done more follow-up later. Maybe you would have come up with something. I don't know. But like I say, the red flag was there and, and stayed there. And now I just, it's one of them things you've kind of let everything go. Right. Is there anything that, as you look back on it, you you think you might have done differently or if you could go back, you might do differently? If I could remember more of the details, there might have been and there may not be. I don't, I can't answer honestly. Yeah. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. We all yeah. We say that all the time. The only thing I guess maybe that could have been done, and here again, I I don't know what our reasoning was why we didn't do ballistics and all of that at that time. I know I do remember looking at the back of her head and parting the hair and seeing that. I said, yeah, this looks like a twenty-two bullet. Yeah. And I've dealt with guns all my life and pretty familiar with them and then the results of them and stuff. But that would be the only things I would have probably changed and done. Don Bender. Yeah, this is Don. Hi, Don. It's Kevin Vaughn at Nine News in Denver. Don Bender was Lincoln County's coroner for seven years. Bender worked for an electric company by day, but he had spent 23 years as an emergency medical technician before running for coroner in 1994. Um, I'm looking into uh, a shooting death that happened in Lincoln County about 15 years ago of a woman named Jill Wells. And uh, uh, what year was that? That would have been 2001. 2001, okay. Yeah, and um, I wanted to uh, first of all see if what what you might remember about the case, and depending on what you remember, ask you some questions about things that were and weren't done. Let's start maybe with whether the case rings a bell at all. This was a woman who was. Um, shot in the head and the report was that her um, young son had accidentally fired a rifle while trying right. to talk it. Yeah, I do remember it. Uh-huh. Uh, let me see. I got some. Most of my uh, records are in uh, Lincoln County office. Uh, I just keep a real, just a kind of a log and just a few papers that I copy just for, for this reason. Uh-huh. And uh, let's see here. Let me pull out this just a second. Okay, let's see what I got here. Let's see. That was at uh, 32801. Right. Okay, Jill Adair Wells. Okay, that was uh, down by Carvel, I believe. I remember because it was on a farm. Yeah, on a yeah a ranch, I guess, or a farm. I don't know what. I don't. Know. Yeah. I think it was more of a cattle operation than. Yeah. 
farming, but so South close to Pumpkin Center, I guess. Yeah. South 71 Pumpkin Center. Yeah. So what I have, and maybe you're looking at the same thing, is I have a three-page uh, document that was provided by the sheriff's office that's sort of looks like a form you must have filled out. Uh-huh. Starts with like the time of the call and the date and so forth. Is that what you're looking at? Well, I do have that in some notes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, is there any questions you had on that? So, um, you you may or may not know this, but the um, the Joe Wells's family for some period of years questioned whether this was actually an accident and <laughs> yeah. sus- suspected whether the uh, husband might have. Might have been involved, or might have been actually the person who fired the the shot. And that's and, always a possibility. Yeah. Uh, as far as I know, the way I got there, of course, the body was still there, and the son and the father was in the farmhouse with the sheriff's department talking to him, and uh, you know, I understand that the boy had the gun and shot her in the head. You know, I you know, there's nothing I could. I could just, you know, know the cause of death. If the sheriff department had any suspicions, I would have thought they would have let me know. Uh, would that be the sort of the standard protocol? They, they would determine whether it was, you know, suspicious or not. That's, of course, I went ahead and I think I did an autop- had an autopsy done. Well, a- actually, there was not an autopsy done, which oh, is one of the things I wanted to ask you about. Um, yeah. Uh, I think I took the body to the Lincoln County Hospital and had an x-ray. Uh, you know, there's nothing to determine that the cause of death was obviously a gunshot to the head. Right. So if the police had any questions about it, they should investigate it further. Uh, all I was required to do at that time was just determine, you know, the cause of death. So right. I really don't have a whole... And as far as looking suspicious, you know, I always thought that, you know, that could have been, you know, done by somebody, but, you know, how am I supposed to know? You know, those few cases I have with accidental deaths like that, you know, I always feel, well, you know, something else could happen, but I would figure the sheriff and I think the highway patrols there, and, you know, they would have suspicioned something. <laughs> you know, and if they didn't, well, you know, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about that. Yeah. That meant letting that six-year-old boy, Tanner, spend the rest of his life believing he'd killed his mother. I can only go what they told me and then what I saw there, so. And yeah, I didn't even, you know, I, haven't, I didn't question the boy. They had questioned the boy and the father, so. Right. They were out just shooting at targets there, so. So I don't know, I don't know, you know, I don't have really anything to say more on that. One of the things that that a couple of forensic pathologists that I've talked to about this case have told me is that they believe, you know, every death that results from trauma or violence or even accident should be autopsied. And and I know that certainly is is sort of the way it's done in some of the bigger counties, but I'm... Sure. How many... 
deaths a year would you typically deal with in Lincoln County as the coroner? Well, 2001, I think I had 27 deaths. 27 deaths at the, you know, first 2001. Yeah. That's natural accident suicide. I've never had a, uh, you know, a murder or anything, so. But, you know, something like this, uh, there's, you know, a few others I concerned about, but then, you know, if the sheriff and highway patrol and the police don't recommend anything further, then I just don't, you know. Hmm. All right. And, and they apparently didn't express any questions or concerns to you? No, they did not. Because when I, you know, I looked at her, she was on the ground, her finger was still on the, the head, the gun was still laying there with her finger on the trigger that she was targeting, that prone position. And, uh, of course, the, the gun where the boy had used was slightly behind her and to the right, I believe. And, of course, he was in the house with the father, so. Did you know that... Um that her body was exhumed some years later and there was an autopsy done? No, I did not. Yeah. Um, in 2008, her sister, one of her sisters made a report to the to the Lincoln County Sheriff and they actually sort of reopened the investigation. And hey, That's fine. You know, I was... Of course, we were very limited on, you know, doing autopsies if, if not necessary because of the cost. We have very little budget for things like that, but if, if it would have been recommended by the sheriff or something, I would have done it, but they didn't feel one was necessary, and so I didn't do it. Yeah, that was one case I always thought, you know, you know, iffy, <laughs> yeah. but you know, you don't know. You know, being out there in the country by themselves, anything could happen. But I don't know, I don't think an autopsy, I don't know if they found anything, but would have made any difference. Mm, hello? Hi, I was trying to reach William Sylvester. Hi, just one moment, please. Thank you. William Sylvester is retired now after a distinguished career. First as a lawyer in private practice, then 10 years as a prosecutor, and finally a long stint as a judge in the district that includes Lincoln County. His last eight years on the bench, he was chief judge. Hello, Kevin. Good, how are you doing? I'm good. Hey, I'm calling about a case uh, that goes back to uh, your district attorney days out in um, Lincoln County. Wow, that is reaching back a ways. Yep. <laughs> um, this was a uh, shooting death in 2001 of a woman named Jill Wells. And the report that was made at the time was that her six-year-old son was trying to uh, cock a rifle and that the rifle went off and uh, she was she was hit in the head and killed. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering first of all, if you remember the... The incident. Boy, I sure don't, Kevin, to be honest with you. Um, <clears throat> 2001, you sure I was there? Because I left about May or 
June of oh, when I got appointed May of I'm reaching back now. May of '01 is when I got appointed to the bench as a judge. Okay. So, yeah, know, this was that, in this was in March of '01, and so um, I I have a Lincoln County Sheriff's Office offense report which okay. says that you were notified and you responded to the scene. Okay. Um, yeah, so this, uh, there's a sentence in the offense report that says Sheriff Yowell notified Deputy District Attorney William Sylvester and Lincoln County Coroner Don Bender both responded to the scene. Um, I don't see any reports that you made or anything like that, in, at least in what the Sheriff's Department has on file. No, uh, typically when we, we find anyway, Kevin, we um, don't generate a report. We're just basically there, just kind of more of an observer rather than doing any investigation. Right. But, well, I'll tell you what, that's, um, I honestly don't, boy, I just really, I hate to say this, but I really don't have any sort of independent recollection as to what that was. So, um, well, how was it ruled? Was it, uh, well, it was, it was, it was ruled at the time as an accidental shooting, and right. I think by, um, by any objective measure, the, the investigation could have been handled differently. Uh, there was okay. there was no autopsy done at the time, which has surprised a number of people. There was no real uh, uh, any kind of thorough interviewing apparently done of of either the six year old boy or his father who were both there. And um, there was suspicion among family members for a number of years that uh, that this may have been something more sinister than an accidental shooting committed by a six year old and. And in, there, there was a sort of a renewed investigation in 2008 and 2009 in which the body was exhumed and there was an autopsy done and the the um, uh, bullet fragments from the woman's head were recovered and so forth. The ballistics tests on whether that was actually came from the gun that that was reported to have been involved were, were inconclusive. Um, there was a lot of life insurance involved, um, a lot of it that had been purchased. I tell him about the life insurance bought just weeks before Jill died, about Mike's financial problems, about the nearly $800,000 that went to him after the shooting. But this, uh, you know, this young man who's now in his early 20s has lived his whole life with this, this story that... Um, you know that he shot his mother to death, and, and there, there are a lot of people that have looked at it. You know, in the uh, forensic pathology world and in the law enforcement world, that have, that have looked at the evidence and so forth, and are really questioning whether it actually was an accidental shooting. And I was hoping that you might have a, you know, a clear memory of it, but I know that was a long time ago, and I'm sure that uh, you handled uh, quite a number of cases over the years. Um. Do you know, uh, a lot of times, or I wouldn't say a lot of times, but it was not unusual to bring um, Colorado Bureau of Investigation in, Kevin, to do the forensic work at the scene. Does the report mention that CBI was called in? They were not called in. Really? Yeah. So the investigation was handled entirely by the Sheriff's Department. They Is that what yeah. I'm taking from you? Yeah, it was, it was handled entirely by the Sheriff's Department, and... Um, well, I really do wish I could help you out, Kevin. I, you know, the more you talk, the more I want to say I kind of re sort of remember going out into the country at a scene that vaguely rings a bell, but I really cannot help you out one way or the other. I, I wish I could. Um, 
typically I know we do is we, we district attorney's office, rely on the local law enforcement. What I can tell you, though, Kevin, is if the coroner had flagged it as a suspicious death and gotten me a copy, then certainly um, there would have been follow-up. So we've got gut feelings and red flags, lots of red flags, and various public officials, all in theory on the same team, all with different roles and responsibilities, but no one who says it was his job to put it all together. The sheriff says they all agreed, based on the evidence, they'd have to go with Tanner did it. The coroner says if the sheriff had suspicions, he should have shared them. The prosecutor says those suspicions would have been acted upon if they'd been voiced. At this point, it's not even clear if that prosecutor was there. He has no clear memory of it. The official report says he was there, but that report is known to be racked with problems. And as for those red flags and gut feelings and questions, they exist in the former sheriff's mind. There's nothing, nothing in that report to suggest that Jill's death was anything but a horrible accident. Back to the former undersheriff, Alan Yowell. Maybe if I can finally find him, he can answer some of the questions the others could not. I've located another phone number, one his father assures me is good. Your call has been forwarded to an automated voice messaging system. Three, zero, eight, eight is not available. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press one for more options. Hi, this is Kevin Bond. I'm a reporter with Nine News in Denver calling for Alan Yowell. Uh, if you could give me a call back, I'd appreciate it. I'm calling about the Jill Wells case. We had a lot of questions and no answers. Next time on Blame. It was an investigation over almost as soon as it began. It's baffling why they didn't get an autopsy done that day. You know, you never make a mistake doing an autopsy, but you will make one not doing one. Now there were new investigators on the case with new theories on what happened. And I was going to just point blank ask the question. The ultimate question. Why'd you shoot your wife? what that new investigation uncovered. It was very frustrating because we were so close. What did you hope to do? Properly charge the person that should have been charged at the time. Well, I think knowing everything that we know now, this case would be classified as a homicide. Blame is a production of KUSA-TV, Nine News, and Tegna Media. Nicole Vapp is executive producer, Anna Houston is the producer and editor, and I'm investigative reporter Kevin Vaughn. Find photographs, police reports, maps, and other evidence on 9news.com slash blame. <laughs>